Hey, cake lovers, welcome to Let's Talk Cake. I'm Carrie. And I'm Savannah. And on today's episode, we will be talking to cake artist Julie Defense. Cakes can truly just steal the show of a party. I approach mixing frosting the same way that I would mix paint. I'm ready to do more, and you do more. Send me your cake recipes, send me everything you have. I send me everything. You know, baking is. It's such a craft. All of your senses are involved, and it's such an expression, and it's cozy, and it's so rewarding. Honestly, I'm sure everyone has been touched by cake in some way. Hey, you guys. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Let's Talk Cake, a podcast by cakers for cakers. I'm Savannah, and I'm here with my mom, Carrie, and together we own the Dessert Studio in Utah. So this week in the bakery, we had kind of a fun experience, fun for us, probably not so fun for the the happy couple, but we got a phone call and they were actually driving from northern Utah to central Utah for their wedding. And um, they were calling because the cake that they had purchased where they lived up north was not what they had expected. They had asked for a clean white frost and what they got was something that looked like it was straight out of I don't know something from the 50s or 60s and it was very (laughs) it was very dated looking and had some strange shell borders going on and stuff and it was just it was really sad and they were they were debating between finding somebody to fix it or just bagging having a cake altogether and so we took on their drive up I guess they found us on Instagram right and (laughs) they gave us a quick call and asked if we were available and so they stopped and dropped it off and we took on the challenge and it was a challenge because it had bad frosting on it it was funny because when they dropped it off it was in a cooler and it was already on the cake stand which is so scary to deliver a cake (laughs) already on the cake stand and so we had to slide it off the cake stand and it was a cake stand that kind of had a lip and so it was already kind of tricky to do that and then it needed to be scraped down. It needed to be and scraped down, and unfortunately, there was there was a dowel down the middle, and so we weren't able to like fully take it apart. And so when we were scraping it and then putting our buttercream on it, um, Swiss meringue buttercream. Swiss meringue buttercream. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just tricky because I wasn't able to do like a perfectly clean frost because I couldn't get the edges crisp because there was another layer on top and another layer she's being (laughs) humble though because if you'd seen the before and after she did an amazing job and they were absolutely thrilled so savannah worked her magic and saved the day (laughs) (laughs) it was it was a funny request but i'm glad we were we had a little bit of extra time on our hands to do that yeah and they were really happy that is why people don't like frosting we always hear oh i don't like cake because i don't like the frosting blah 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 but yeah, like that cake, it was like crusty frosting yeah, and I it, think was it was hardened and it was frosting. Yeah, it was bad. And so, I mean, it opened my eyes like, okay, that's why people don't like frosting because it was nasty. But, anyways, yeah, it was good though. And it was nice to be able to save the cake for them so yeah. that they didn't have to go cakeless. For sure. But another thing we did this week was we opened up QA on our Instagram and we had an interesting question from someone about how we got our kitchen licensed. And so I thought we would share just a couple of things about that. Now, rules vary in different states. So no matter where you are, you need to check with your local, your state and city to find out what works for you. But for us, we knew we would have to jump through some hoops. And so when we um, were getting ready to do the renovation on our kitchen, we did some research 
and checked in with the the state agriculture department that's over cottage kitchens and they let us know what specifics we needed to have in our kitchen and how we needed to set it up so that gave us kind of a, a framework for the renovation so that we knew exactly what needed to be done and then once it was finished we had them come and inspect it and we had to turn in our recipes for approval from the state and then we also had to get a city uh, a business license from the city so there are some different steps that you have to go through but I totally recommend that you do that wherever you are and you don't just bake without it because it has made it so that we've been able to do some cakes we wouldn't have been able to do yeah there are some venues here in Utah that um, if you're not like a state licensed kitchen, they won't let you deliver the cake there. And so, and I feel like it almost is kind of like a security blanket. Like when people come maybe having a problem or, or something, you can say, okay, well, we're state licensed, yeah. you know? So yeah, it I does think bring up some funny questions though. When people come for a consultation or something and they pull up to a house, they do. Some of them are like, am I coming to a business or am I coming to a house? But um, we've tried to explain that on our Instagram and our website and stuff. And so, um, but yeah, it just gives you a little bit of security too, knowing that the, the things that you're doing are approved and that you, you're not just kind of flying by the seat of your pants. Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing about that, what my mom just mentioned of people kind of pulling up and being confused, I think it is so important to be open about it. If you are like just a home-based kitchen, I think you should just put it out there so that people aren't confused. I mean, we've heard of people getting really bad reviews or people just like getting bad business because they don't know that they're coming to a house yeah. for a consultation or for a pickup. And so, so there's nothing wrong with it. So just be yeah. open and up, up front about what you're doing. And one of the nice things about having a licensed kitchen is there are some guidelines that we have to follow. And so that makes it so that people can come to us with confidence and we can actually work with more confidence than for if we sure. were just doing it in our regular kitchen. Yeah. And one thing that we did on our Instagram when, um, we had had a few people not realize that it was a home and it never led to like problems, but they were just confused. And so at that point we wanted definitely to make it more known. And so we have a little highlight bubble on the dessert studio Instagram that just shows our kitchen and shows that it is a real separate kitchen. We're not just baking in the kitchen that we cook in and that we eat in. And yeah, so I think that was a major step for us too, just to show people that this is, this is a real thing. Like we're not just making a cake out of our <laughs> kitchen that we that we live in and so yeah so I think that was really good but yeah we're uh, it's it's nice to do and it's nice to have the steps jumped through I mean it's it's really nice when it's all finished so today we're really excited to have Julie Defense on the podcast and it was so cool the way we found her I was watching her on an Instagram live and sent her a little message that said we'd love to have you on the podcast and so right there as she was doing her live she said yeah let me know about it so we did and here we are getting to talk to her today yeah she is so talented she splits her time in both Portugal and Florida and her work is just absolutely beautiful and elaborate and it is next stunning. level stuff I just can't even I'm, I'm shocked at some of the things that she's done with cake and yeah and we feel honored that we get to talk to someone who really has found so much success and yeah so let's get her on hi Julie welcome to let's talk cake thank you for having me we're really excited to talk to you today 
Um, we are talking to Julie, and she is actually in Portugal right now, so there might be a little bit of delay in the answers, but we'll do our best to make it so that it's easy to understand what's going on. <laughs> All right. So can you tell us a little bit about cake making in Portugal? Yeah. Um, well, up until about a month ago, <laughs> it was pretty fabulous. But um, yeah, for the past, I would say, officially 10 years, I've been making mostly luxury wedding cakes uh, with the occasional special occasion cake. And um, it's been a pretty crazy ride. It's been I don't know, everything and more that I could ever have dreamed of. And, you know, doing it in a foreign country to boot, it's been pretty insane. But um, what did take you to Portugal? Um, well, I came here 22 years ago for a job. I had a three month paid internship. And after the first month, I met my husband. So I decided to stay. But at that time, I wasn't doing anything to do with cakes or um, anything in the food industry. I was in publishing and design. Okay, nice. So you you split your time between Portugal and then you're in Sarasota, Florida and Boston. Is that right? Um, yes, it's more, I'm not so much in Boston anymore. Uh, I don't have a base there. Okay. So I, I split seasonally between... Um, between the Lisbon, Portugal area and Sarasota, Florida area. Okay. Um, Boston. Well, I, I would travel anywhere for a cake commission at this point within the states if if somebody wanted to bring me to you know their location. And the same goes for anywhere in Western Europe. Wow, that's awesome. So, um, how do you divide your time? Pretty much, are you mostly in Portugal and just a little in Florida, or is it about even? It's about 50-50, which is tough for my husband (laughs) because he's got a family business here in Portugal. But so our home, technically our home is in Portugal and the the season in Portugal for weddings is really in the summer. So like May through um, middle of October. And it works out seamlessly with the season in Florida, which kind of boots up in October and goes through the middle of May. So it's turned out like, I mean, I, I pretty much don't have a vacation or time off, but it's nice because I don't ever have to slow down and have that, you know, ramping back up again. All right. Well, it sounds like kind of a jet setting kind of life. How, how much stress is there doing cakes in two different places like that? Um, I, I really feel like, well, aside the, aside from the stress of all the travel back and forth, because I do, I do like in the off season, if somebody wants me in the other location, I'll fly over. So sometimes there's a lot of travel, um, exhaustion from travel and, you know, you get there and you're jet lagged and all of a sudden you have to jump into a mega cake. Uh, and then the day after the wedding, you jump back on a plane to fly back. But I think there's the same amount of stress on the day-to-day. There's the same amount of stress as I would have had just if I had stayed in one country. Um, there's the financial stress of having to have, you know, multiple sets of everything. So I have, you know, my Florida set, I have my Portugal set, and then I have a special kit of things I can't live without that I have to travel back and forth with because they were custom made. Or, you know. Oh, okay. So there's that. Too. Yeah, the stress is, I feel like the stress is kind of the same in both places. All right. So is the climate similar too? 
Um, we have we don't have snow in Portugal except for up in the north. So where I am, it gets kind of cold in the winter, cold and damp, but it doesn't get frosty like it does in Boston, where I'm originally from. Um, in the summer, it's pretty warm unless you're unless you're right on the coast, and then you get that kind of ocean cool ocean breeze that comes in. And in Florida, it's you know it's kind of cooler in the winter, but not cold. I would say, and in the summer, it's really too hot. So I don't. I don't see many requests for weddings in the summer, but in the winter, you know, you could have an outdoor wedding pretty much any, any time during the year in Florida. And in some, in, in Portugal, it's really only in the summer that you could have an outdoor wedding. Oh, okay. Very cool. And so, yeah. and so with these elaborate wedding cakes that you make, so do you have, so you mentioned you have like your base in Florida and in Portugal, but for example, if you do, if you are commissioned for somewhere, you've never been before how does that work exactly do you like rent out a kitchen and just bring everything with you or or how does that work for you yeah um so a lot of the detail work is done in advance like all my sugar flowers i make all year round so actually right now while there's nothing you know there aren't any weddings i'm stockpiling making sugar flowers because i'm anticipating that when things get back to whatever the new normal is, there will be, you know, a lot of people who want to get married and all have already made all the sugar flowers because they, you know, they can last as long as they're preserved well um, in a dry climate. But if it were, you know, when it's a place that I don't have a physical base at, I bring whatever I can do beforehand, I bring it already done. So sugar flowers, um, any kind of decorative sugar pieces that I can pack up and put in a box and carry with me, they would, they would come separately. And then I do rent space in a commercial kitchen, um, to bake obviously. And, um, if I need studio space to put something together, I would also look for that. Um, a lot of times I can even build part of the cake. Like sometimes part of the cake isn't necessarily real if it's a really, really big cake. So I can build part of that and I can take it with me, ship it with me or ship it ahead of time and then work on it on site Okay. when I get there. All right. Speaking of the mega cakes that you're talking about, um, do you have a team that works with you to help pull these off? Because looking through some of your photographs, some of them are incredible and I can't even imagine trying to do that alone. Well, I don't have a fixed team. Um, I do have some people that I will pull in, you know, as freelance work workers when I need them. But I am, I think this is the, the artist side of me. I'm, I feel control freak really, it really isn't the right way to describe it, but it's, it's like a little bit of an OCD controlling part of me that just wants, I want it to be exactly how I imagined it. And sometimes it's easier just to do it than to explain how to have it okay. done. So, um, I do have some people who will help me with some of the more basic things, but when it comes down to the fine details, I really would prefer to do them myself. And until now, even even that big, big cake that I made a couple of years ago, it was 28 tiers. I did everything. It took me a long time, wow. but I did everything. So what would a 28-tier cake involve? Like, how, how long did you spend on that cake? Um, it was about two and a half months of nonstop sugar flowers from like six in the morning till midnight every day. And, um, there was a six tier hand beaded, like sugar 
beading panel and it was like a sugar embroidery panel based on the bride's dress. And that took me nine days with a pair of tweezers um, to apply it all. Wow. So that was pretty nuts. Yeah. I saw that cake in your Instagram and it's, it's mind blowing. I've never seen anything like it before. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, every cake for me is special and every cake tells a story, but that one was Extra yeah, was that in Portugal or the United States? That was in Portugal um, in an old fort castle right on the water, like on a beach. It was it was just amazing. It was such a dream. Wow. So do you find that in Portugal versus the United States, like which one has customers that want more elaborate cakes? Well, at this point in my career i'm finding the more elaborate more expensive cakes are in portugal but i'm not sure that it's representative of the country i because well first of all most of my clients aren't necessarily um portuguese in portugal and they're not always local you know from sarasota in sarasota but i think because i'm more established in general in portugal like i've been doing this professionally for 10 years i've written four cookbooks in Portugal, so people people know me, and when they're looking for somebody here, I'm like the reference in the market for this kind of cake. Okay. And in Florida, I'm going on my fourth year, so it's I haven't really developed the same kind of persona there yet that I have here. So I'm not sure if you know maybe if you were to ask me again in two years, what's you know what's the comparison it might be different but um, because i think you know i think in the there are a lot of people who who throw big big budget weddings um i just think i'm i you know it's interesting to start over there and to have to build from zero after having established yourself somewhere else it's it's really kind of it's challenging but it's also fun yeah so this is one of those weird questions that all cake makers struggle with, but how do you price your cakes? Because your stuff is um, obviously very time consuming. And like you said, you're, you're doing the sugar flowers in advance. And so probably even being able to time it out and everything is, might be a little difficult. So how do you go about pricing? Well, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people struggle with that. And I did in the beginning, but there's, I've managed to come up with a calculation that kind of includes everything so it's a it's a combination of like normal costs like ingredients um, supplies overhead you know that kind of that has a physical cost and then you add in you estimate your hours based on you know like I look at I look at a project and I think all right how many how many sugar flowers how many hours does that translate into Um, you have baking hours you have design hours you have um, I include, you know, all the all the time I can think of, like the consultations that I have. Some clients, you know, require uh, whatever, like three hours of back and forth, and some require twenty hours, and some require even more. And so I kind of gauge that as a ballpark figure, and that goes in. And delivery, deliveries, you know, all those kinds of like setup on the day. If somebody's going to require me for um, a drop off, or if they're going to require that I stay from the setup on site all the way through the evening until the wedding is over. That's all contemplated into the cost. So why would they have you stay the whole time? That's that kind of, is it just to kind of babysit the cake? (laughs) Yeah, 
basically. Okay. Yep. And actually, it's funny because a lot of times, um, a lot of times they will ask me to stay. I, I don't know. It's just like if something, like if they're moving the cake from point A to point B, they don't, you know, their pastry team from the venue doesn't want to touch it. So they want us to oh, do it. Okay. So I bring a team in and we do that. Um, but sometimes it's kind of a com. it's kind of tricky, actually. Sometimes I become friends with the I was going to say, they, after 20 they, hours they of consultations, they, you're probably yeah, like very yeah. close. <laughs> yeah. And so they invite us to stay at the wedding. And I think it's a little bit like, it's a way to say thank you. It's also a way to have us stay. And, you know, then it's hard because then you can't really charge. You can't really charge for those hours if you're a guest. But you're, it's like a babysitting function, but it's also a guest. It's different. Yeah. But, um, and I think there's a lot of like, you know, you try to be fair. Um, I don't negotiate with my prices at all uh, because it's based on a fixed number. Um, and if people, you know, I ask for, this is one of the most difficult when you're talking about pricing, it's one of the most difficult parts of the process for me, because if I, if every client could just tell me like, what's their budget, it would just be so easy, mm -hmm. you know, like this is what you can get for that price. And if this is what you want, this is the scale that we have to do it to be able to achieve what you want. But a lot of people don't want to give a number. And a lot of people don't necessarily know what things cost and they don't know, you know, like they don't know that it could be whatever whatever, just out of, you know, on top of the head numbers, like they don't know that it could cost 500 or 5,000 or 15,000. They just don't know. Right. So it's difficult. Yeah. And do you do a non-refundable, like 50% deposit or a portion of it down or something that, yeah. okay. 50% down, 50% uh, down holds the, guarantees the date and holds the reservation. And the other 50% um is due 30 days before the wedding okay and payment in full obviously if if payment in full hasn't been received then there's no cake right but that's thank that's never happened so. <laughs> and is that deposit non-refundable correct it's non-refundable because it also includes that deposit covers a lot of the upfront costs of the design and the you know i, I don't make a sketch before i have the deposit so it's intellectual um it's proprietary information it's intellectual property once i give that sketch it's like you're paying for that oh, okay. you know um so i do not repeat it yeah all right and it sounds like you've i mean most of your cakes require so much in advance too that it would be hard to do refunds of that deposit because you will probably have already done a lot of work on it so that's that's good so do you mind if we kind of take a step back and you mentioned that you were in publishing and some other things. And so I'm just curious to know how your career evolved into being like an amazing cake maker. Yeah. So um, I studied fine arts and I was always kind of creative. I was always baking in the kitchen with my mom and my grandmother. My grandmother, um, I didn't really know this until I started to get into doing cakes myself but she had decorated wedding cakes when she first got married okay. so i thought that was really cool like it was in my system this whole time and you know she didn't bother to tell me like she could have told me you know 30 <laughs> years ago i would have been i would have been on a, on a more direct path but um my mom is a really great cook also so i like i said i went to school for fine arts and when i graduated uh most of my friends you know went into I don't want to say normal fields, but like a lot of my friends went into consulting and the medical field and legal fields and whatever. And 
I was like, well, what do I do now? You know, because they don't really prepare. They didn't really prepare me for what to do in the real world when you graduate with a degree in fine arts. And um, I got into technical illustration and design, graphic design, web design. Um, I studied architecture for a little bit during college in Italy. So I always had that bug about wanting to get back to Europe. And um, a job opportunity came up for me to come to Portugal and do web design for a company that was expanding. So I came over and I got involved with with that company. And then Jack and I met. And um, after the three-month internship was up, the company went bust. And so I was like, well, do I stay or do I go? And so I decided to stay. And I sent out 300 resumes and got myself a job working for a design company here. Um, which led to freelance jobs working at a publishing company. And then this is a long story, sorry, but (laughs) my boss, um, my boss at the magazine that I was working for decided to retire. And he, long story short, he sold me the magazine. And then a couple years later, I sold it to my sales guy and I started a second magazine. Um, The second magazine was about home renovation. So it was kind of getting closer to doing something more creative and I always had been making cakes for everybody. I was like the, you know, call Julie if you need a birthday cake or whatever. And um, I took the Wilton master course. Um, Sandy Folsom, who's the director, came over to Lisbon two years and she taught the master course over here. So I managed to get in on the second year. And I just, you know, felt my calling. I mean, I, I remember coming home. Um, with my first wedding cake that I made in the in the class, and it was three tiers, and it was all done with a piping bag, all those piped flowers, and and I was like sobbing with like tears streaming down my face, and I was like, look what I made, and you know, my husband at the time was like, when you're done with this, you better go back to running the magazine, and I showed up, and he was like, uh oh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't think I want to do the magazine anymore. I think I should be doing this, and he goes, yeah, I think so too. So we just very quietly like I started advertising cakes in the magazine because I figured why not it's mine yeah and um a few a few months after that we just kind of put the magazine to sleep and started doing cakes full-time because I had enough people asking and it's been my passion ever since like just haven't looked back but having said that like I'm glad I had all those years in publishing um with the experience with the experiences that that brought me because uh, I've written four books. My fifth one's coming out in a month and I do all the design layout for them. So all of my experience from publishing has paid off in terms of being able to have the creative freedom to do my books, yeah. you know. That's, That's awesome. awesome. So right yeah. from the beginning, did you start with these incredible elaborate cakes or has that kind of been a journey of finding that the, that's your style? Well, well, I mean, they've definitely gotten bigger and bigger. I, I hope, you know, well, the 28 tier one was like the milestone for me, but I hope, I hope I have other clients that want cakes that big. I would say I very rarely do a cake that's smaller than five tiers, but I do have some clients that ask me for a three tier cake and I love to do them too. I just, for some reason, you know, that it's that, it's that thrill of looking at this mountain and kind of going, okay, it's a big white canvas. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, when I started, well, you know, here in Portugal, wedding cakes weren't really um, 
typically they weren't towers. They were like a flat rectangle, like a big flat rectangle with a couple flowers in the corner. And that was it. So that's what people were used to. Um, so when I came into the market and I wanted to do tiered cakes and I said, listen, I think you should have five tiers. People were like, oh my gosh, five tiers. And I'm like, no, it's not, you know, you can still reach the top of it to cut it, even if you're five feet tall kind of thing. And, <laughs> and from there, from there, I just kind of like, I just started adding because I, it was a personal challenge and people liked it. And people started seeing all these shows on TV about, you know, all these cake decorating shows without naming all of them, but we all know which ones they are. Um, and I think people just wanted more elaborate and they saw the artistic side of it. And they were like, just sometimes I get people that are just like, just do what you want to do. And sometimes I get people that say, you know, I want like this white or this pink or whatever. And it's interesting. Yeah. So you're kind of the pioneer of tiered cakes in Portugal. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people here that make cakes, but I feel like there's, there are very few people who make the kind of cakes that I make, or I feel like I'm the only person that makes the kind of cakes I make, but um, there are very few people that make cakes in the same genre. And um, there are a lot of people, I think there are a lot of people that have chosen a different business method, you know, like making smaller, less expensive cakes, but it's higher volume which is just not my yeah. thing. So I'm curious about how many cakes would you say you do in a year? Well, not including 2020. Yeah. <laughs> not including 2020. Um, <laughs> uh, I would say anywhere with the, between Florida and Portugal, I would say, I don't know, like anywhere from 12 to 40, depending on the year, like the year that I had that big cake, it took up a huge chunk of my high season, right? right? So I had two two plus months of my high season that I couldn't that I didn't accept another cake. Um, but if I have, like, I would say, if I have all five tier cakes, I can do one a week. Okay. If I if I prep stuff in advance, like if I prep all my flowers in advance, and um, I have you know certain weeks out of the year it's just design, and then certain weeks are just uh, hands-on, you know, actually putting the cakes together. I don't do a lot of design work once I get into the, the, the weddings themselves. So I have to ask, because I'm sure our listeners are wondering, um, and you don't need to give us any specifics on particular cakes, but can you give us just a ballpark of what, like the average wedding cake costs that you do? Um, well, what I can tell you is my cakes, my custom cakes start at $1,200 and okay. they go up based on complexity and size and everything. I have a collection called JD Collection, which is like a mix and match set of um, three and four tier cakes. There are eight designs and you can semi-customize a little bit on each of the designs, but basically the design format is done in advance. So the price point starts at four ninety five. So it's for somebody who still wants, you know, a cake made by me with my signature flowers and my signature design, but they don't want to pay for that full design process. It's a little bit like paying, you know, a wedding planner to do full planning versus month of kind of okay. thing. Okay. And then I'm doing um uh I'm also creating now a small collection of wedding cakes for micro weddings 
So, you know, weddings with 10 or 20 people, it's really only going to be for the current situation right. just to try to, because I don't want to exclude anybody because they, you know, they're not going to have a hundred people or 200 people or whatever. I think, I don't know if I put myself in the bride's shoes and I really want a cake from somebody or I really want such and such a photographer, I would hope that they would find a way to be accessible to me. So I want to be that for them. Sure. That's awesome. That's, that's great. So the cookbooks, how many cookbooks have you done? Um, I've written four there. Well, there are three that are kind of almost no longer in the market. Um, one of them is a wedding cake book with recipes with lots of like how to, and you know, step-by-step and all that kind of stuff. And I've just republished that one on Amazon in Portuguese, but I'm going to now start working on translating it back into English and I will put that back on Amazon eventually so that, um, Hopefully my American fans and followers can finally have a copy in English. Um, and I have a, a cakes and parties book in Portuguese that's currently in the market in Portugal. And I've got a new book that's coming out in the beginning of June in Portugal. Very All cool. Right. I'm excited for the one to yeah. be translated into English. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. We'll be getting it. I know. I'm so excited. Everybody keeps asking me when I'm going to do a book in English and I keep going, I don't know, but <laughs> Um, now I know. Do you teach any classes or is it strictly through the cookbook that people can get to know your style of skills? Um, well, I'm really fortunate in Sarasota. I work out of, um, USF's Culinary Innovation Lab in Lakewood Ranch and they've got two, I don't know if I'm going to exaggerate or not, two multi-million dollar, like, test kitchens that used to be the Viking showroom for their products um, about 15 years ago. And the school took it over, um, you know, when the economy uh, went down in 2007, the school took it over. And so I get to work out of there. I get to bake there and it's a great place to teach. It's, it's a teaching facility. So in the winter, I generally do a couple of workshops, although it just depends on my availability. So I've done, um, I didn't do one last year. I did one two years ago and I did one three years ago. It just depends. If, if there's interest, I'll set it up. If not, I won't. And I don't generally teach in Portugal because I don't usually have time. Okay. Awesome. Well, we will have to watch for that also. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so. Yeah, thank you. So starting out, Julie, what do you feel you did right? And what what would you maybe change? So it's funny. We were talking about this earlier. You know, I think um, I really believe everything happens for a reason. And I'm not so unhappy with the path that I took to get me where I am. You know, I don't know when you ask what I would change. I don't know, because I think even the things that didn't work for me, they led you to where you are now. Certain things about my business or about myself that helped me become a stronger um, person slash designer, whatever. So I don't know. I mean, I'm really happy about the decisions I took. I think finding yourself as an artist is really important. 
you know, like succeeding and failing and doing everything that you do to get you to a point where you're confident in your art. It's really, really important. Um, so I don't know. I don't really know how to answer that question. I think, I that's, think that's great. <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually a, a good approach to take in the way you're looking at it, because because really every you're you're right. Every success and failure brings you to where you are. And if you're happy where you are, then it was probably the right path. Yeah, I mean, that's not definitely not to say that, like, there are some days where, you know, I'm angry at the world and <laughs> like nothing's going right. And I just feel like, why is this? Why is, you know, why isn't it working or why? But in the whole big picture. I'm pretty happy with everything that I've achieved and never imagined like, I mean, in 10 years to have written, you know, almost five books and gotten to where I've gotten with the cakes in Portugal and, and in Sarasota from starting from scratch, like it's pretty, I'm pretty happy. That's awesome. awesome. And so just speaking of how you're happy with where you are, what has been some of your proudest moments along the way and some of your biggest achievements? Um, well, aside from the books, I feel like the books, you know, being asked to write a book was a pretty big deal for me. It was a big dream. And when I got a phone call, this was pretty crazy. It was like maybe a year and a half into making cakes and I got a phone call, um, and it was in Portuguese. And at the time I didn't really speak Portuguese or I pretended like I didn't, cause I didn't, I wasn't really confident. Uh, and I thought Jack has a big family. He's one of 11 siblings. So I thought it was a practical joke. So I called him and I said, listen, there's some, one of your brothers trying to convince me that they're a Portuguese editor and they want me to write a cookbook. <laughs> Can you tell them to knock it off? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I was like, oh my God. So I called the guy back and I'm like, I'm sorry. I thought it was a joke. Of course I want to, of course I want to come in and talk to you. Um, but you know, I, I've been trying, like I said before, like it's, I would love to have my books in English. I've been trying for a couple of years now to find a publisher in the States to publish in English with me. And it's a different ball game. Like it's just, it's such a bigger market and there's so much more competition. And um, so I feel like having accomplished, having had accomplished that in Portugal was like a big deal for me just because I know how hard it is in the States, especially where I, you know, where I grew up and stuff. Um, and then it's the little things like I'm a very small business. I, I want to be like, you know, I, I want to do a lot. I want to have a TV show. I want to do a lot of things. Um, but being nominated for some awards that some of the people that I really look up to in the field are also nominated for in the same category, the same time that I am is like, Oh my gosh, you know, like, um, I'm trying to think, um, the, the, there's a, I don't know if you guys know, you you guys probably know the cake masters, mm -hmm. right. And out of the UK. Yes. So I was in the top four finalists for sugar flowers with some pretty amazing competitors a couple of years ago. And I, was awarded top 10 cake artist international. Um, so it's, it's in a category with a couple of other people, but it's like six people like on a, or 10 people or four people or whatever on a worldwide scale. I, I was really, you know, really pleased to be part of those groups in the company of such other amazing other um, artists. Yeah. That's incredible. Congratulations. Seriously. That's, that's so cool. So thank you. Um, you mentioned that you have a, a 
kit of things that you take with you that you can't live without. Do you want to share with us just a couple of those? Yeah, sure. So um, I work with some companies to make some, you know, custom pieces like custom silicone molds and custom stencils. Um, I have, I'm trying to think of what I travel with. I left everything in Florida because I thought I was going back. So I, I traveled with zero this time, but um, I have the, the worst, the worst thing to travel with is all the silicone molds because they're heavy and they're, you know, they were expensive to have produced just one or one off piece. So that's like a suitcase in itself, just the molds that I travel with. And when I say molds, it's like a lot of, um, I'll send you guys some pictures so you can post them. You know, it's a lot of like the architectural detail molds and things like that, that I add. I kind of cut them. Once I make the sugar pieces, I cut them and I kind of put them together again. So it's not just like put the fondant in the mold and put it on the cake. It's more complicated than that. But um, a lot of things to make sugar flowers, like petal cutters and uh, veiners that are custom, one of a kind, or just very expensive. And I, you know, yeah. rather keep them with me. And, um, some petal dust and things like that. I'm trying to think of what else. It's mainly that. I have like a tool set that I like, you know, my, um, you know, veining tools and ball tools. And I have them in both countries, but I always have my special set that I bring back and forth. All right. Well, your work is just absolutely amazing. It's so beautiful and you're such an artist. How would you describe the way that cake has blessed your life or impacted your life? Um, I mean, in so many ways. Like, I remember when I was in high school, I had an amazing art teacher. And when I graduated, he was like, you know, don't come back and talk to me again until you've found your calling and make sure it's in the arts. And for years, I used to come back and be like, oh, I'm in design. He's like, yep, don't talk to me. He was, he was joking, obviously. <laughs> but then I finally got into, you know, what I was supposed to be doing. And he's like, there you go. He's like, I knew you'd find it. And I don't know. I feel like, I just feel like so many people don't have the luxury in life to do what they love and really be good at it. And to, you know, like people sometimes ask like, what's your hobby? Well, my hobby is my job. It's not a, you know, it's not, that's maybe that's not great, but I love what I do. You know, I love every minute. I love the crazy OCD hours and hours and hours of putting teeny little sugar pearls on a cake for nine days straight. I mean, I think, um, I, how does it affect my life? I think it's what I'm, what I was meant to do. I just, you know, I needed to take the path that I took to get here, but I can't imagine doing anything else. I love that. What a, what a cool thing to have reached the point where you're doing exactly what you love and what you're good at and what you know you should be doing. I think that, um, well, I focus a lot on just being frustrated about this whole situation, but the reality is, you know, I always try to find some kind of positive in it. So the reality for me is usually during the wedding season, we're all too busy to actually communicate. And I've found in the past six weeks that I've done a lot of reconnecting with mainly vendors that I don't like either I don't have the time or they don't have the time to chat and just kind of get to know each other and understand better how, what makes us tick and what, how do we work and what's the best way to work together. And, um, so that's been a really positive outcome of 
being stuck at home and not having a lot going on. And the other thing is just kind of looking at who, who I am, how do people see me and what do I want to, what do I want to change and make better? So like the Instagram live things, that's something that I've always wanted to do. I just never have had time and, you know, updating my social media. I think that's really important because people need to be able to find us, you know, they need to find their person. They need to find the right cake person for them, the right florist, the right photographer. And if you can't um, show people on your social media who you are and what kind of an artist you are, then the, sometimes the match isn't great. So I feel like our time in uh, isolation or quarantine or whatever, whatever you're doing at this point, it's frustrating, but at the same time, it's helping me to redefine or to define better who I am and who I want people to see me as so that I get, you know, that's a clients that I want or the clients that I think see me better. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. And probably, uh, probably if it wasn't happening, you might not have had time to come and talk to us too. So, yeah, so we're, we're definitely benefiting from it. <laughs> I would always make time for you. <laughs> I'm glad you found me. Well, we're so glad that you were willing to talk to us. And thank you so much for sharing some of your story and some of your experiences. Oh, thank you both so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was super, super nice to talk to both of you. Well, thank you so much. Wasn't that just incredible hearing from her and and just witnessing so much success along the way? I think it's so cool. Yeah, she's at a point in her career where she's just rolling along, doing things her way and doing her style and finding great success at it. So she's kind of, a, I don't know, an inspiration yeah, for, for all of us who are especially those of us who are kind of in our first couple of years. And yeah. wow, could we be somewhere like that in 10 years time? Definitely. So. I love what she said about how she doesn't look back and focus on the mistakes because every little thing has led her to where she is. And so I think that was super inspirational because especially as we start out with a business and we can definitely find flaws in what we're doing and what we have done. But Every little thing is leading us to where we are, and we just need to learn and grow from it. And, and where we're going to be. Yeah, So absolutely. Yeah. So our challenge this week, we thought, would be, um, we thought it would be a good one to kind of use her as our guide on this. And she talked about how when she started out, she didn't start out doing 28-layer, 28-tier cakes. And so um, she said that she just kept kind of pushing herself to see what her limits were. And so we thought it would be good for our challenge this week to just start pushing ourselves a little bit more and maybe experimenting and expecting a little more out of ourselves. Yeah, for sure. I think that's one of the best ways that we can grow as cake artists and as humans, just getting out of our comfort zone and pushing our limits. And I think especially in the kitchen, if we have a little extra free time to throw an extra tear on a cake, go go the extra mile and try yeah. something new or do something more elaborate or Whatever it may be, whatever your limit has been, go beyond that and and just really see what you can do because I think that no matter what, we will find that we we can go further and we are more talented than we think. Yeah, and we can expect more of ourselves. And so it's it's nice to it's nice to have opportunities to push ourselves and realize that. And so both in cakes and like Savannah said, in our own lives as just human beings and people. So let's this week look for opportunities to stretch ourselves a little bit and push our boundaries, get out of our comfort zones a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, guys, but you do not want to miss next week's episode when we will be talking to Serdar Yenner. He was born in Istanbul, Turkey, and he is now in Australia, and his work is absolutely incredible, and everything that he has, he has accomplished is just mind-blowing. He has won cake shows. He's won sugar competitions throughout the world. He's been a judge on sugar competitions. He has created Yenner's Way, which is a a really cool um, YouTube and educational online forum where he teaches others the skills that he has. And he has also created some software called Cake Note. And so that is to help people design cakes and know how to price them, which we all know we can definitely use. For sure. So don't miss out next week because he's a, a fascinating man and we're excited to be able to talk to him. Definitely. But we are so thankful to each one of you who tune in weekly and give us your support. And we are thankful to our producer, Corey, who does all of the stuff behind the scenes that we would not be able to do. (laughs) (laughs) So join us next week and we will continue talking cake. Hey, everyone. This is producer Corey. I just wanted to say thanks for listening. Also, subscribe to the podcast and follow the Let's Talk Cake podcast on Instagram so you don't miss out on any content. If you do the challenge this week, tag the podcast in your post and we'll share it in the next episode. Thanks again and we'll see you next Tuesday.